Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors of Strategy Page discuss current events with a splash of history. I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk. With me today is the editor of Strategy Page, well-known military author and game designer, Jim Dunnigan. Also joining us is the associate editor of Strategy Page, columnist and author, Austin Bay. Welcome, Austin and Jim. thought we'd spend a little bit of time talking about um, our favorite Persian um, enemy, Iran. Uh, the Iranians have gotten themselves into a mess in Iraq, Jim. Uh, it, it has a lot to do with uh, them just wanting to get totally involved in Iraqi politics and government and like that. And now they've sort of found themselves in a quagmire, right? Well, they've been trapped, so to speak. Now, I don't know if this was on purpose or it's just something that was inevitable because they've been heading this way, oh, for several years now. Uh, we reported in Strategy Page uh, when, a, few, a year or so ago when there started to be uh, shootouts among the PMF. These are the militias that were started in 19, uh, 2014 to help stop ISIL. And uh, Iran was in the middle of organizing the PMFs, and they tried to take control over as many of them as possible. In uh, 2018, the, uh, they managed to <coughs> – the politicians managed to get the PMF uh, not only put on the payroll – uh, but made part of the army. Uh, Iran uh, didn't like that too much, uh, and they have basically, uh, how should I put it, backed the formation or the organization of outlaw PMF units who take their pay but will not answer to the army. Now, this really came to a boil, as we put it, uh, recently when there were several mysterious airstrikes uh, I think there were three, or at least three this month, in Iraq, uh, which nobody took credit for. Actually, the Americans spilled the beans that, you know, one in particular was definitely the Israelis. Nobody is saying exactly how the Israelis do it, did it, although one attack recently occurred in western uh, Iraq, Anbar province, where a, um, a, a pro-Iran PMF uh, brigade or part of it anyway, convoy, was heading for the Syrian border to go into Syria to do what the Iraqi government uh, expressly forbids, that is, you know, fighting against the enemies of Iran in Syria. Uh, and uh, when the smoke had cleared from this missile strike, <coughs> two things were discovered. One was one of the people killed, and that might have been the target, was a senior PMF commander. Uh, secondly, somebody got photos of the aircraft that launched the missiles. And it looks especially like a uh, UAV of the large type that can travel all the way from Israel uh, to uh, Iraq, or Iran for that matter. Uh, Iran, uh, Israel said nothing. <laughs> they usually do in cases like this. But the Iran is, is basically uh, certain that the uh, uh, Israelis are behind this and they are insisting that uh, Iraq, the government, the parliament, uh, order all American troops to leave. Now, currently, the Americans have about 5,000 troops and several thousand uh, contractors uh, in Iraq. Uh, 
the majority of Iraqis do not want the Americans to leave. Uh, like the Europeans during the Cold War, uh, they considered the Americans a tripwire, a, a way to keep the boogeyman out uh, in the Cold War. It was the Russians, now it's the Iranians out of Iraq. Uh, the Iranians feel trapped by this because they're being made to look like fools, which is something the Iranians do not like. Um, they're basically losing a lot of support uh, by formerly, you know, loyal PMF brigades uh, because, you know, these PMF brigades are having leadership disputes uh, where it comes down to the pro-Iraq <laughs> leaders take over. Uh, they're not shooting at each other as much as they used to a few years back. Um, but the Iraqi government pays lip service to backing Iran. But the reality is, and the Iranians are well aware of this, is that the uh, the Iraqis are basically turning against Iran. Now, this should come as no surprise. Again, as we have pointed out, during the, the 1980s war with Iran, most of the infantry, most of the troops, most of the casualties were Shia. Uh, and this upset the Iranians so much, but they didn't make a big deal of it during the war because, you know, that wasn't supposed to happen. If it isn't part of the narrative, you just ignore it. Um, they thought they had a big advantage uh, after 2014 because of the way they basically, you know, took credit for saving uh, Iraq because the, uh, the, the PMF brigades did pay a, a large role in that. Of course, the Iranians didn't give the Kurds any credit. The Kurds were the people who really stopped uh, the, uh, the uh, ISIL from advancing any further, <clears throat> because once they took Mosul, they were running into uh, uh, Kurdish uh, forces, and these are the best-trained Iraqi troops in Iraq. And they also have American, they always had American assistance, meaning American uh, ground uh, air controllers who could bring in uh, American uh, army, you know, uh, air force or naval uh, air uh, strikes using smart bombs. Uh, but the Iraqis noticed this. I mean, they realize, you know, who their real friends, so to speak, are. Um, and, and I think just this week, uh, the United Arab Emirates went public with the support or the cooperation uh, they've been having with the uh, Israelis. Now, it was an open secret in the past. I mean, there were even meetings which were basically didn't happen, but a lot of people in the OEA knew, hey, those were Israelis. Those Arabs were Israelis uh, that were meeting with, you know, our military people. Well, now the Israelis have admitted that, yes, and the UAE did as well. Yes, we have been sharing intelligence information on on mutual threats. <laughs> now, that could be interpreted as, you know, ISIL, but it could also be interpreted, and it is correctly by Iraqis, as Iran. Uh, so Iran feels that they, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, push comes to shove time. They have to basically uh, do something because they're slowly being squeezed out of Iraq. Now, they still have plenty of connections in Iraq. They even did during Saddam's time. The smugglers were, you know, apolitical. They would, they would buy and sell with anyone. So would, so would Saddam during the, uh, the 90s when he was under sanctions. Um, and, you know, corruption makes allies of us all. But, the, uh, but now, you know, as Austin pointed out, uh, the Iraqis resent the Iranians trying in their usual sneaky Iranian-Persian way uh, to, uh, to grab control of the government. Now, on paper, or at least, you know, verbally, they have the uh, ability to get uh, Iraqi politicians to toe the party line, but that means nothing. It's just words. 
as the Iranians are finding out, because the when push comes to shove, the uh, Iraqi government will basically do what's best for Iraq, and that doesn't involve Iran. Um, so the the uh, the Iranians have been threatening to uh, again go to war with American troops uh, in Iraq. They haven't done it in part because they have to use uh, Iraqis to do it. And I think they're noticing that there's a big shortage of Iraqis who are willing to die fighting Americans in Iraq for Iran. Uh, now, there are some, but, you know, not enough. Uh, they're counting heads and they're finding they keep coming up short, you know, week by week. <clears throat> so something's going to go. Something's going to go boom uh, pretty soon because the Iranians are running out of options. And now, if you were if you were Machiavellian about this, you could say, uh, and, and the Iranians like this uh, 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 point of view, that it's all a, 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 how should I put it, a Mossad scheme. They're scheming to turn our Shia, you know, Arab allies against us. Well, they don't really have to, but the uh, but the Israelis, by basically looking out for their own interests, not not. Uh, you know, carrying out some nefarious uh, conspiracy. Uh, we're hitting those um, PMF uh, weapons depots uh, because they basically contained uh, high-tech weapons, and the aircraft missiles, guided, you know, rockets, GPS-guided rockets and what have you, uh, that the Iranians were bringing into Iraq. And, uh, and the, what bothered the Iraqis was not that the uh, Iranians were going to ship them off to Syria and Lebanon, um, which they have been doing, but that they were going to use them in some kind of civil war, civil war against the Iraqi government. So the Iraqis are certainly not going to do anything uh, to stop to actually stop the uh, the attacks on the Iranians. I mean, they issued orders, for example, that um, uh, no uh, aircraft can operate over Iraq without permission of the Iraqi government. Well, within 24 hours, there were there were uh, conditions attached to that. Well, it doesn't it doesn't affect American air support for Iraqi forces. Because we pointed out, if we have to go through, uh, you know, your your bureaucracy before we can, you know, uh, protect your own troops and police, uh, it ain't, you know, it, it's going to be too late. And even the Iraqis can do the math on that. So they gave an exception. They technically gave an exception for um, Iranian uh, air freight uh, traveling through Iraq on their way to Syria. But the uh, Iranians are getting a little, a little nervous about that. In fact, they've stopped a lot of uh, weapon shipments by air because the uh, the uh, Israelis have launched some airstrikes uh, on airports uh, targeting Iranian freighters. Now, they have a limited number of 747 freighters, which basically belong to a Republican Guard, IRGC-controlled uh, uh, air, air transport company. Uh, there are, I think, two or three of those companies. Uh, and now the Iranians are basically planning on bringing in uh, all their their weapon shipments by by boat, but now they're afraid the the Israelis will do something about that as well. And the Americans, you know, I mean, if you believe in conspiracy theories as much as the Iranians do, it can be a powerful weapon because they notice the Americans and the West in general is getting much better at tracking. Uh, how should I put it? Outlaw. Uh, Iranian ships, you know, they use also, we've reported this, we report on this regularly, the tricks the Iranians use, you know, changing flags, turning off their, their locators and things like that, but still they get caught. Uh, 
uh, you know, it, it's rock and roll. I mean, you can't catch them all, but we're catching a lot more. Um, so they feel the walls closing in. Couldn't happen to, them, to nicer people. Austin? Yeah, um, yeah let, me, let me make a, a comment about the uh, increasingly uh, good intelligence that the U.S., uh, the supplies of the Israelis uh, as well, but I'm, I'm talking about uh, shipping, uh, commercial shipping uh, at, at sea, the increasingly uh, good intelligence the U.S. and its uh, closest allies have uh, applies to North Korea, definitely applies uh, to Iran. And I've done as as much as I can uh, in looking at the open source uh, data, open source information as as to how this has uh, come about. And I keep going back to a a comment that uh, Jim Mattis made when he was still Secretary of Defense about how uh, how their knowledge was improving of North Korean. Uh, sanctions uh, busting uh, at sea, and he, as as I recall in the when he, in the in the interview, uh, there had been uh, a North Korean freighter that had just been stopped uh, uh, by the U.S. Navy, and the Japanese uh, had a couple of days earlier uh, stopped another one, and it's there's in. Inside humans involved at, at at some level, someone is providing tips, but I I think that there's a, a strong possibility that a lot of these suspect ships are being trailed by uh, not just uh, aerial reconnaissance but drones, uh, as well as uh, being watched and the uh, either the drones or, or ships or uh, electronic intelligence as well. And we've developed, as a result, profiles. Even if they've, even if the ships have, like Jim said, uh, shut off their uh, transmitters, uh, their geolocators, uh, and the like, profiles of uh, the kind of ships that the, the Iranians and North Koreans, any sanctions busting nation has. And uh, once you've made uh, an identification of that ship. It's uh, it's the sea's a big place. The oceans are huge, but it's hard to hide uh, a tanker. It's hard to hide uh, uh, even some of the coastal ships that the Iranians have used uh, to uh, ship uh, weapons uh, uh, into Yemen. And it's uh, I mean this is to the this is to the good. Uh, of uh, the United States uh, and, and its allies. Now, I, I, again, Dan, I'm, 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 what, I, what I've said is, okay, uh, there are reasons, the reasons, the reasons we've f- focused on this is that North Korean sanctioned bun- uh, busting was uh, directed towards, well, not just keeping the regime in power, but building better uh, ballistic missiles and, and nuclear weapons. And the Iranian sanctioned busting is ties back to, well, what was Jim describing the Iran's up to in Iraq? That's what Iran is up to in about eh, two dozen different places right now, violent meddling in other people's uh, uh, pol- political systems. Uh, I, Iraq is Mesopotamia. The uh, Aryans, Iranians have been messing around in Mesopotamia, 
I guess I can say that, can I, for about 3,500 years, maybe 4,000 years. Uh, they regard Mesopotamia, Iraq, as, as their property or where their imperial lands. It should be their satrap. And, of course, the Arabs who live there resent it. That gets back to what Jim said about even Shia Arabs who have a religious affinity with uh, Iran uh, distrusting them because they look back, this predates Islam. What the uh, Iranians, Aryans, Persians uh, have been doing uh, to the Arab Arabs in the uh, area for at least 3,500 3, years. Now, to get to get back to the war that's going on inside Iraq right now, and it is a war. Uh, evidence is yes, the Israelis have gotten very good intelligence on what's going on in some of these popular militia force uh, uh, bases. They're preemptively, in my view, preemptively bombing them. Jim said, "Yeah, some of the weapons are in in transit to." Uh, uh, Syria and uh, yeah, Lebanon. Okay, that's preemptive bombing. And as a result, as Jim pointed out, they're doing Iraq a favor because some of these weapons depots could have been lagering weapons for uh, a strike uh, at the uh, Iraqi government. Also point to uh, an article that's up on strategy page right now that Jim wrote. There's The U.S., after being accused by Iran of uh, attacking some of these uh, these bases, pointed out that it's quite hot in Iraq right now. And having pulled a tour in Iraq myself, I'll guarantee you, it's hot in Iraq uh, all summer, but especially in July and August. And th the uh, militiamen are not competent when it comes to pulling daily maintenance, and they're not competent when it comes to storing explosives. And if there is, it points out in the article, if the explosives are being stored above ground, and typically they're stored in, in containers or in above ground uh, metal buildings, uh, uh, if they're stored like that, they're going to get hot. So some of the detonations are likely, likely, some of the detonations are because of mishandling uh, the uh, explosives and, and the ammunition and storing it where it gets uh, to 140, 150 degrees in, in, inside these buildings, and they, they blow up. Of course, the Iranians, as Jim said, they're into conspiracy theories. So that's got to be done by the Americans or, or the Israelis or even the Turks. Maybe the Kurds are doing it. No. Their own guys are so poorly trained and uh, so lazy, they just go and dump uh, the uh, ammunition and munitions uh, above ground in, the, in these metal sheds. Uh, and uh, again, that's up on strategy page. Go read it. I, I, I buy that because I know it happens. It happens and it happens when you don't uh, take uh, basic uh, precautions handling uh, the munitions like that. And uh, that's, that's another problem which the Iranians don't want to, uh, to acknowledge is that uh, there's a, a certain kind of, uh, well, they, like, uh, they want to be a world power, but they don't have the confidence to pull it off. Another problem in Iraq 
is that the Iranians are accusing the Iraqis, perhaps truthfully, that how is it that the uh, these airstrikes uh, are always hitting the uh, concentrations, the you know the stockpiles of the most uh, valuable weapons? There are over a hundred. Uh, bases uh, in Iraq that the PMF used. A lot of them are former American FOBs, forward operating bases, right, right. which are basically small fortresses and what have you. A lot of containers were used for living quarters and and what have for what have you. The Austin has personal experience with those. No, um, but that, they they, and, they they do do that, uh, Jim. And they I they, know I, I know, but we had air conditioning and the, they don't air condition don't, their stored ammunition. But no, the point is that the Iranians are accusing the Iraqis. They don't. They don't. They don't basically want to believe that the Israelis have a have an informant network in Iraq, uh, which is a more likely possibility because they sure as heck have an informant uh, capability in Iran, as we found out in early 2018 when the Israelis uh, basically looted uh, with that half a ton of uh, documents out of a uh, out of a secure facility in in Tehran, the capital, and got it got it to Israel. Uh, that was a big embarrassment. But what the Israel, what the what irks the Iranians was that with all these places they could store these weapons. Uh, the uh, and many of them are stored, as Austin points out, in basically above ground, uh, uncooled, as it were, uh, uh, places, which is bad for any kind of munitions, especially large munitions like rockets. Uh, and delicate munitions like, uh, you know, these uh, shoulder-fired, you know, anti-aircraft missiles. Um, uh, but the problem is that the uh, the Israelis always seem to find them. And how are they doing that? Uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the other problem they're having now is they are trying to transfer these weapons uh, to, to different storage sites at night with convoys. And now it remains to be seen if the next airstrike will hit one of these new hiding places that they thought were secure because they're hiding it. If that happens, then they've got to believe that there are not enough pro-Iraqi, uh, uh, pro-Iran Iraqis uh, to, that are willing to keep their mouths shut, uh, that people are basically picking up their cell phone and calling up a number that then again transfers them a certain amount of cash uh, for valuable information on where the Iranians are storing their goodies. Now, this could be the the uh, you know, the Iraqi intelligence, most likely, uh, or any number of other people, uh, information brokers inside of Iraq. That's a, that's a fairly big business in Iraq or in the Middle East in general. Um, uh, but basically... The, uh, the Iranians do not have operational security. That's what military calls, you know, trying to keep local stuff secret. They cannot keep secrets. And if you can't keep secrets, you're in big trouble. And they basically want to get the Iraqis to crack down. And I don't think that's possible at this point. They're, they basically, Iraqis are basically out of control as far as the Iranians have been concerned uh, for hundreds of years. I mean, up until, I think, what was it, the uh, 17th century, uh, the Iranians controlled Mesopotamia. Then the Turks came in and took over. And that was a dark age. Now, that's 300 years of, uh, of Sunni control of largely... Um, uh, Shia Arab, uh, Baghdad, and southern Iraq. Uh, that's what basically created uh, this this extreme hatred for Saddam and between Shia and Sunni in Iraq. Uh, but the thing is, the I- 
Iranians are finding out they can't capitalize on this centuries of, of, uh, of uh, persecution because basically what it comes down to is if the Iraqis have a choice, they'd rather be persecuted by other Arabs, whether they're Sunni or Shia, uh, than Iranians. Um, and right now, of course, the government in Iraq since 2003, since the, uh, since the, uh, the Shia Arabs are, are an absolute majority uh, in Iraq, uh, Shia have been running the government. So the you know the the uh, the uh, the Arab uh, Shia in Iraq cannot really complain that they're at the mercy of the uh, the uh, Sunni Arab minority. Uh, now their threat is over in Iran, and that's something the basically the uh, Iranians cannot unown. They own that. They cannot wash it away. They cannot add sweetener. Uh, it's a bitter tasting, you know, situation that the Iraqis, Iraqi, uh, you know, uh, Shia Arabs uh, refuse to accept. And that is the problem that basically they're being forced to try the most severe measures they can conjure up uh, to resolve. And I don't think that's going to work. Austin's right. It may get very messy. We may have another, you know, not exactly a civil war, but, you know, uh, strife, as it were. But that will be the end, so to speak. Or you know uh, of the uh, of the pro-Iran PMFs because if the uh, the uh, Iranians basically trigger a uh, civil conflict, uh, it, it, you know we'll win or lose, they basically lose a lot more of the support they do have. Now that said, Iraq is a complicated place. There are factions within factions within factions, and even with even the Shia majority uh, controlling the government. Has trouble, you know, hurting all their their pro Shia cats. Uh, but that the Iranians thought they could use to their advantage, but now it's basically turning out to be a disadvantage for them, because they're finding out that nobody can control uh, the Shia Iraqis, and now they're turning the Shia Iraqis into 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 sworn enemies, which is the last thing they want. But Right now, they feel, well, either we do it quick or we do it fast. I mean, do it quicker, or do it slow. Either where the frog is going to get boiled quickly or the water's just going to keep heating up until the frog is dead because he's been slowly boiled to death. Uh, let, let me make a comment about that uh, Civil War uh, scenario, Jim. Uh, they trigger, if Iran triggers a Civil War in Iraq, there is such a danger of triggering a civil war in Iran, especially in the Khuzestan, Arabistan, and some of the some of the um, Persian Gulf uh, uh, littoral areas uh, of Iran. Uh, it's it's it could spill over very easily. Given the resentment of a number of Iranians against their own, uh, you know, the, the religious dictatorship. Now that's that is a scenario. It's speculation, but it's something. Uh, it, it's something that the robe dictators uh, need to uh, take into consideration, which is the brittleness of their of their own regime and a civil war in Iraq. Uh, who's who's going to win it? It's not going to be pro-Iranian militias. That will uh, that that will win that. Now to get back on on the intelligence. The it's it's nice of the Iranians to tell the Israelis in the United States that the most important weapons depots are being targeted and being blown up. Uh, I'll take that with a grain of salt, but I'm I'm going to just uh, I'll say it's 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 probably true. But where does the intelligence trail 
lead ultimately. It probably leads back to Iran in the same way that we've gotten better intelligence about uh, sea shipping, uh, sanctions busting. And, it, it, and I said, remember, I mentioned that human intelligence, human, plays a, a critical role in keeping track of the sanctions uh, of busting, uh, uh, busting ships. Uh, it goes back to the port where it was loaded. And I would guess that the Israelis, Jim mentioned the Israelis have excellent intelligence inside uh, Iran, that uh, direct knowledge of what, what's in these uh, weapons shipments uh, uh, is, is sent from sources inside Iran that uh, either saw it loaded or had seen, uh, knows what was, uh, what was going to happen. And that's where the tracking begins. You have to be very, very careful about that because it's uh, hu human in, uh, human intelligence. Some of it will be simply people because they're being paid for it. Others because uh, uh, they're against the uh, Iranian regime. But uh, a lot of this isn't being strictly done by drones and uh, observation. And I'm I'm certain that the Iraqis provide intelligence uh, to the U.S. And, and, and Israelis for a variety of reasons. But some of the intelligence on these shipments comes out of Iran. And uh, that's, that's if it makes the regime paranoid, so be it. That's uh, one reason the Israelis are so good at, at hitting uh, and identifying and, and, and hitting uh, specific uh, 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 locations that have the rockets and surface-to-air missiles that are headed to Syria and Lebanon. Well, I guess we'll uh, watch and see if the uh, the explosions continue uh, in Iraq mysteriously. Um, now, Jim, they they did see they they have seen aircraft in the area though when these have occurred. Some of them. Right? Yeah. And they they got there were some cell phone photos of the uh, of the uh, the UAV the aircraft that fired the missiles uh, at the convoy headed for the Syrian border. Uh, now one thing I I don't I'm not I've, I'm unable to get you know more information about is uh, when you fire a missile at a target. Uh, what we did and what anybody can do is collect all the missile fragments. And you can identify where it came from, if not from our markings on some of the components, but simply from the design. You know, like, uh, you know, for an, air, for an airplane accident, you know, you see the pictures later in a warehouse where they reconstructed the plane, as it were, from the pieces found. Uh, you can do the same sort of, you know, forensics uh, with missiles or bombs. Uh, and I wonder, is that being done? Is anybody doing it? Uh, now, it's not in the Iraqi government's interest to have these these missile or smart bomb components identified as Israeli. Then again, the Israelis might make a special batch of their missiles that are scrubbed, as it were, of any uh, national identification. I mean, you, you know, uh, they have they have uh, laser guided uh, uh, missiles. Uh, they use the Hellfire or they have their own uh, uh, missiles like that. Uh, that's a that's a that's a mystery that has not yet been not much has been revealed on yet. That may that will be a story one of these days when enough hard information is collected. But you can get the evidence, and indeed the Iranians may have done it 
and said, well, let's keep this secret. And, of course, another problem they have is it's still accepted in Iran that last late last year, uh, Israeli F-35s flew over uh, Iranian cities, uh, allegedly taking pictures or just showing the flag, as it were, um, and left without being detected by Iranian air defenses, which now include S-300, older S-300 systems from Russia, as well as various other, you know, radars and what have you. Uh, and the head of the uh, air defense air defense system in uh, Iran was, lost his job for that. Now, he may have lost it for other reasons, but the story on the street in Iran is, was uh, the, the senior uh, clerics, Alatoyas, are very upset about this, because the Alitoys, you basically made a lot of noise uh, earlier in 2018 about the shabby state of the uh, Iranian Air Force and air defenses. And this purported, you know, imaginary, well, hey, if they believe it, it happened, it happened as far as they're concerned, that the Iranian F-35s were flying over Iran. That means several things. One, they had to refuel. They had they have permission to fly over, say, Saudi Arabia. Uh, of course, Iraq doesn't have any big air, any air defense system, um, uh, and uh, and even if they did, uh, would they basically identify uh, somebody who's going to attack Iran? So Iran has a lot to worry about. Some of it imaginary, a lot more becoming real. Something else to remember: in 2011, the pro-Iran Shia militias tried to basically take power in like in Basra and a few other places and they were put down. This is 2011. Uh, and, and for the same reason, there are more Iraqi soldiers, Iraqis with guns, willing to oppose by, with force if necessary, uh, pro-Iran Iraqis uh, than the pro-Iran Iraqis could handle. And that basically was over in days. Uh, that particular uprising, the, those militias stood down, uh, they kowtowed, they said, okay, we'll, we'll basically do what the government says. And the Iranians or the op had a huge opportunity in 2014 to come in to rescue uh, the Iranians by forming with their weapons. They brought the weapons. They brought the advisors and what have you. Uh, they made the patriotic speeches. Um, but now that's all slipping out of their fingers. So they're finding the, the, uh, their so-called Iraqi Shia allies very fickle allies, which is great for us, great for Israel, great for Iraq, and not so good for Iran, which again, the government in there has been under, has been, has been uh, exposed to popular, constant popular uh, outbursts, demonstrations, calling literally for the downfall of the government, or even, you know, getting away from Islam um, since late 2017. Uh, so the, and, and of course now, they, the, the Iran says they're willing to negotiate with the Americans, but first you've got to lift the sanctions. Well, that's the last thing you want to do. <laughs> because that economic pressure is what's basically bringing everything to a boil. You don't want to simmer when you can boil. Give me money, then we'll talk. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's you know, cut me a little slack so we can rearm, and then we'll lie to you. Oh, okay, Dan, what yep. Jim just did, bringing up the agitation within uh, Iran, which began seriously in December 2017 and hasn't stopped. Oh, it go it goes into a lull and then it 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 it, it comes back. That is one of the reasons I I I bring up uh, if you're going to incite, create a civil war uh, in, in in Iraq, watch 
for spillover into Iran. And the number of the towns where the agitation uh, continues are in Western Iran. It goes on in Tehran uh, as well. And a number of those towns are have had severe water problems, not really because of lack of water resources, but the the, the local governments have not maintained uh, their uh, water uh, water supply systems. Um, gee, money went for what? War in Syria and war uh, war in Yemen. At least that's what the Iranian people, the locals, think. And I think there's good reason to uh, uh, to believe that they've had to go to, uh, uh, to Iraq to to buy water. Uh, now that crisis kind of reached. Um, uh, hit, hit, uh, got, uh, at its worst point was maybe eight or nine months ago. It's been relieved uh, a, a little bit since. But uh, th- that's an angry population you've got inside Iran, angrier than you've got in Iraq right now. And the Iraqi anger is turned uh, not to the Jordanians or even the Turks. Uh, it's at the Iranians. Yeah, and the, and the Iraqis are doing great. They had a record uh, a, a month in July for oil exports. They made $6 billion or something like that, which better is than, they ever made before. Better than 3 million barrels a day. And yeah. it, see, it was like 2.7, 2.8 millions a day in e- exports was regarded by the Iranians as that's – that's a good number. Well, they're up now to like three one or or three two, and uh, you you said it was 110 million barrels. Or, yeah, or, for the month. Yeah. All right. So that that's that's right at three one or three two a day. So yeah, yeah. Yep. And and the Iranians feel, with some justification, that a lot of those sales are sales that should have been Iranian, but they're under sanctions and they they can't ship as much as they'd like to. Gee, that's so, real. That's real sad, Jim. That is so sad. I know? mean, you got all those Iraqis playing the world's smallest violins. Yeah, right. You know, if you're going to go around and make war and every on everybody else, geez, things might uh, come back and bite you. You know. So. That's right. <laughs> well, we'll continue to watch it, and uh, it'll be. Be interesting to see uh, what else blows up in uh, Iran-controlled Iraq. So we'll see. Next time. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.